This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Victoria Schaefer, aspiring actress and animal enthusiast, is on her own in New York City. Follow Victoria and her two dogs, Rue and Echo, as she cares for her furry friends and juggles home life and career, all the while managing to survive in the world's most hectic city. The exciting animal adventures and secret stories from both ends of the leash that make up the Tales of the City. Hey guys, it's Victoria Schaefer, your host of Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. I'm super excited about today's episode because not only did I get to speak with Gloria Gilbert Stoga, the president and founder of Puppies Behind Bars, a nonprofit organization that uses prison inmates to train puppies to become service dogs for wounded war veterans or explosive detective canines for law enforcers, but... I got to go backstage at the Palace Theater to interview actress, singer, producer Glenn Close while she was getting ready to star in the hit Broadway musical Sunset Boulevard. So much inspiring talk in one episode. So stick around because after this commercial break, we'll be speaking with Glory about puppies behind bars and the impact it has on inmates, veterans, and the community, followed by Miss Glenn Close on working with her beloved pooch Sir Pippin by her side 24-7, her work with a number of organizations, as well as setting the record straight about one of my favorite movies, 101 Dalmatians. Be right back. Tales of the City will be right back in two shakes of a, well, tale. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. I'm here with Gloria Gilbert Stoga, the president and founder of Puppies Behind Bars. Hi, Gloria. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to hear about this amazing program you have created. Training puppies in prisons to become service dogs and detective canines is such an incredible and clever idea. Well, thank you. What has inspired you to start the Puppies Behind Bars? I read about it. A veterinarian in Florida started the first prison guide dog program, and I read about it and just thought it was brilliant. So I took his lead. He was the one. His name is Dr. Thomas Lane, and he is the one who came up with the idea. Oh, cool. Did you grow up with dogs? What Were you always a dog person? Um, yeah, I've always loved dogs, yes. And What is the mission behind Puppies Behind Bars? We train prison inmates to raise working dogs. Right now, service dogs for wounded war veterans and explosive detection canines for law enforcement. But the premise is that inmates, while incarcerated, train dogs that will go out and contribute to society. How many puppies have you guys trained this far? 1,100. Wow, 1,100. And how many prisons? Yeah, right now we're in six. Wow. So what's the process like? I mean, working with inmates, you know, you have to train both the puppy and the inmate. 
Well, we train the inmate to train the dog. So, yes, we oversee the inmates and the dogs. The inmates apply to the program. They apply through their prison counselor. And if they pass basic screening at the prison level, then they come to Puppies Van Bars and we interview each inmate individually and then we decide to accept them or not. It's a voluntary program, so they can quit at any time or we can kick them out at any time if if it doesn't work out. And do the puppies live in the cells with the inmates? Yes. Yes, they do. All the time? Yeah. I mean, they obviously go out and about. They go out throughout the prison. They go out with volunteers once or twice a week. So the volunteers can introduce them to normal life activities that the dogs would not get exposed to in prison. But the dogs are with a human being, either an inmate or a volunteer, 24-7. So the program trains two completely different sorts of dogs. Yeah. You have one, right? You have one that's going to be a nurturing service companion for a veteran. And then you have another dog to sniff out bombs. So what are the differences in those programs? It starts with the difference in the dog. The explosive detection canine is much higher energy, has a higher prey drive, and is a more independent dog than is the service dog. And the training for both kinds of dogs are totally different completely different. For the explosive detection canine, we don't care if they pull or jump or bark or lunge. We want to build their confidence in all sorts of situations they may find themselves in, and we train them to use their nose to find a hidden object. Mm -hmm. And with the service dog, we're really kind of asking it to be well-mannered most of the time, except when it's you know, off leash and it's playing and just being a regular dog. But when it's on leash, we don't want it to bark or pull or jump or lunge. Right. Is one of the training programs longer than the other? Yes. For explosive detection canines, it takes a year to train. And for service dogs, it takes from two to three years. So you said you look for different traits to decide which program the puppy will be in. But where do you get these puppies? Like, how do they qualify for the we program? Buy them. We buy them for breeders, and we've started our own very small breeding and early socialization center because early socialization makes the most confident dog, and whether mm-hmm. they're going to be a bomb sniffer or a service dog, they need to be really confident. So by working with the puppies literally from the moment they're born, exposing them to different things, nurturing them, we can make that a more confident dog. What are the breeds that you you guys Just use? Labrador Retrievers. Oh, just exclusively lab. for both sorts of dogs. Yep. Cool. And yep. I've just been wondering who gets to name these puppies because this is one of the most fun things I feel when getting a dog. Yeah, it's a good question. We have what we call sponsors and that's somebody who gives $6,000 and they get to name the dog. Oh, cool. What a clever idea. Yeah. So when you first match the inmate with the puppy that they're going to train, do you see any immediate changes in the inmates? Like what's the impact that this relationship has on them? The dog gives them unconditional love. The dog makes them think of a live being in front of themselves and before themselves instead of it all being, instead of prison life being about me, 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 now the dog comes first. The dog allows them to contribute to society even while they're incarcerated. And the dog is something that they can meet with success by training a dog and watching it learn its commands and then hopefully graduating as a working dog. The inmates feel that 
they've succeeded at something very, very difficult. Right. And what are the requirements to receive one of these service dogs? They have to be in the Puppies and Bars program for at least eight months. And in order to get into the program, we look at their disciplinary record in prison. We look at how long their sentence is. We look at the nature of their crime and we look at their mental health level. Wow. So there's a lot of research that goes into. Yeah. yeah. What about matching the puppy once they've completed the program with their forever home with the veteran? The veteran, we look at lifestyle of the veteran and the dog's energy level, what specific tasks the veteran may need the dog to do, if the veteran has children at home or not, if the veteran is active or not, if the veteran works or goes to school or not. Those are the kinds of things we look at to pair the dog with the veteran. So like, for example, if the veteran goes to school, would you train their service dog any differently than or specialized to that person? No, the dogs are all fully trained in all the same commands, but we would give that veteran a dog that is a little less high energy than another dog if the dog has to sit in classes, you know, like for an hour and then take a break. So that kind of thing. I see. So is there any training for the recipient of the service dog? Like, do they ever meet the inmate? They do. Well, the veterans, we fly them into upstate New York and it's 16 days. We all move into a hotel together and for 16 days we have 12-hour days of training with the dogs and half of those 16 days take place in prison. So for half of the training, the veterans go into prison and the inmates train the veterans with the dogs. What's that relationship like between the veteran and the inmate? It's it's amazing. It's amazing. They create a a friendship and a bond that is extremely strong because it's it's over the dog. But a lot of the inmates have PTSD to some degree, Mm -hmm. not war-induced, not combat-induced, but so they can relate to one another. Wow, that is incredible. So just for those who are listening and want to help, how can they contribute to Puppies Behind Bars? Thank you very much. Um, they can go to our website, which is puppiesbehindbars.com, and there are ways to donate. It's, it's right there on the website. A check or a credit card would be terrific. Okay, so www.puppiesbehindbars.com, and there's a section yep. that you can donate. That's, yeah, Great. exactly. Thank you so much. I'm really amazed Perfect. by all the work that you're doing, and I appreciate you taking oh. the time to talk to me today. Oh, well, thanks for helping us spread the word about our work. Thank you. Time for a walk in Central Park, of course. We'll be right back with more Tales of the City. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Ooh, get the 
stinky dog away from me. Bad breath and bad gas. PD stopped eating. All his hair fell out. Itching, licking, missing fur. At least $5,000 in vet bill. Creams, antibiotics, sprays. No results. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. The shedding is stopped and the itching is stopped. Her coat is not soft, it's silky, it's healthy and shiny and glossy. She's got life, she's got energy. Tons of energy, no more bad smell. Dynavite's the bomb. <gasps> Dynavite is the best thing that's ever happened to my dogs, you know, besides me, of course. <laughs> 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Victoria Schaefer, sitting backstage at the Broadway musical Sunset Boulevard with the star of the show, Glenn Close. Hi, Glenn. Thank you so much for being here today. I can't believe I'm backstage, and I'm so excited to be here. Hello. Hello, Victoria. Thank you How so are you? much for doing this. You're very welcome. Uh, I see you have to get ready. You don't have much time, so I was just talking to your makeup artist, and it's quite a process. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so as we're sitting here, he's, she's starting to... It's very... It's, it's kind of unusual to have somebody... It's not kind of usual. It's very unusual to have somebody do your makeup. But it's a luxury that I have that helps me really get into my head. Yeah, definitely. Do you hear a funny noise under you? <laughs> I do. Well, I'll have several questions about him later. So we'll get into it. Obviously, when did you get your first dog? I got my first dog when I was about four. His name was Mary Mark of Morlander. I called him Docus, and he was a wonderful <laughs> collie. Uh, and he unfortunately got run over on a stretch oh, no. of road. And um, But I was so little that I wore his collar as a belt. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's so cute. And do you know how many dogs you've owned in your lifetime? Oh, my gosh. Well, my family always had dogs. My dad was a medical student in New York. And it was a time when they still were experimenting on dogs. And he is very much an animal lover so he would rescue them and secret them out of the lab and bring them home so we had with me growing up we had collies and we had a great menagerie of new york street dogs wow but let's see oh well i guess one two three uh, <laughs> four five six seven at least yeah, and that's not counting kind of family dogs. Right, that's a pretty good number. I'm at four right now. Ah. So maybe I'll get there soon. But despite my dad not wanting me to get another dog <laughs> for a very long time, but I have puppy fever. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. So well, look at this puppy. This is because Pippi is a Havanese. Oh look my <laughs> goodness! There are so many puppies at the dog park right now. It's puppy season. Mm. Everyone's getting their dogs for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> so we have another guest here in the dressing room. Hopefully we're picking up some of his sounds, but did you name Sir Pippin after the Broadway musical Pippin? I actually first thought of Pip. 
because okay. I just liked it. He just looked like a little Pip. And then I thought of Great Expectations, actually, of Pip, who's the main character in Great Expectations. And then when I had to give him an official name when he was registered with the AKC, I thought of Sir Pippin of Beanfield. <laughs> And do you often take inspiration from books and movies and such to name your other dogs uh, that you've had? Not necessarily. Our last two great dogs, well, you know, maybe we do. Well, we had Bill and Jake. You know, Bill was named after, his name was William Hamilton. Yeah. William <laughs> Hamilton, which was named after Hamilton because Annie liked Hamilton when she was studying about him. And William was named after Clinton because she liked Clinton. <laughs> And then we had Jacob Charles, and I'm not sure where those names came so from. So all of your dogs have multiple names, not just um, not just a simple. Well, I had a little Coton de Tulare who I named Gabby, and I named her Gabby because I remember reading a biography about Saint-Saëns, and he had a mistress whose name was Gabby, and it was one of the first sexy books I read, so I named her Gabby. <laughs> 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 These are all good stories. <laughs> one of my dogs I just named Echo because I thought that was a cool name. I have no reasoning. But the other one my dad thought of, she was found on the street, so we named her Rue after the French Oh, word. that's very nice. So that's the only meaningful name we have. Otherwise, one dog's named after my brother's uh, preschool girlfriend, Riley. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the other one... I hope he still feels good about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure, but we're stuck with that name. I always like to kind of think of what it's going to be like to call the dog. Because you'll, Echo, yes. you could go, Echo, Echo, Echo. I didn't think about that, I have to admit. Now we're quite the laughing stock at the dog park yeah. when I'm screaming Echo multiple times. So, yeah, nobody warned me about that. <laughs> anyway, so how do you take care of Pippin with your grueling Broadway schedule? He just comes with me. Everywhere? Pretty much everywhere. What's Pretty much everywhere. Because, I mean, when you're in a show, you don't go out much yourself because you're always resting. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only day that he has not been with me at the theater, and we're at the Palace Theater right now, you probably told people that, was opening night because it was too much going on, and mm -hmm. I had to go to a party afterwards. But otherwise, he comes every night, and everybody would be incredibly distraught if Pippi weren't here. He really is, is a little presence that people really appreciate. Yeah. And he has his little routine. Yeah, he's very well behaved. He just comes right in and plops down. Makes some noise to get a T-R-E-A-T, <laughs> but it's not time for that yet, so he's given up. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the farthest place that you've brought Pip? He actually has a fabulous UK-EU passport. So wow. he's been with me to London, and he's been on a little road trip with me, just me and Pip. We actually got a flat tire somewhere oh in the Peak District. <laughs> and then uh, he's been to Glasgow and Stockholm. Hmm. He's a well-traveled pup. He is. <laughs> and you never had an issue traveling with him? He just No, he's so smart going. that he knows he has to lie in the little thing and I put it under the seat and he knows he has to just stay there until I tell him he can come out. <laughs> so I want to ask you about another aspect of your career, 101 Dalmatians, mm -hmm. in which you starred. I know most of the Dalmatians were computer generated. But no, I was, that's they wrong. Weren't? No, most of them <gasps> that's were That's a rumor? 
There were yeah. really 101 of them? Well, well, there weren't 101 of them, but they had a whole program of training puppies. Oh, my and goodness. And the, the only time you will see a CGI puppy or an animatronic puppy, they had a couple of those, is if there's a scene way in the back, you'll see maybe some of them. And if there was a scene where it was dangerous for the puppies. Otherwise, they're all real in that movie. Um, wow. That must have been amazing and so adorable to work Yeah, we went, we went through, to, so to speak, 200 puppies because they grew very fast. And they made, they had an amazing kennel at Shepperton Studios. And they made that kennel a quarantine place so that they could bring the dogs over from America, some of them, and then train them while they were being counted to be, you know, for quarantine. Wow. And what, what is it like acting beside a bunch of puppies? Well, you know that no one's looking at you, so you can basically <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the funny thing was about when I got in, because I'm a huge dog lover, but when I got into my Cruella outfit, no dog would come near me. Really? There's something they about knew. how I looked that they just were scared. Yeah, that was my next question for you. What what it was like playing Cruella, the, probably the meanest dog owner in movie history. Yes, probably. Um, well, it was great fun because I was surrounded by animals. And also we had fantastic trainers who treated the dogs with such respect. And they were incredible, those animals. But I suppose their greatest feat in that movie was training a puppy. They told me they could only work with a puppy for five minutes at a time because the worst thing that could happen is for them to get bored, the puppies. Uh-huh. But when you see the scene when they're jump for the second one when they're jumping on the the uh, ice scene that goes all over oh, me, yeah. those are real those are real puppies. So it's kind of sad that people now expect everything to be animatronic because yeah. it was really a great great accomplishment in in training and what they did with those puppies in the movie yeah. and the two hero dogs. And wow, well, we had so many great animals, but the two adult Dalmatians were incredibly trained. Wow. Um, I had no idea. I always yeah. thought that it was uh, computer generated. That makes the movie even better. Yeah. All those puppies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you have supported Broadway Barks, Puppies Behind Bars, ASPCA, and you've even fostered dogs yourself, right? I fostered one dog once, yes, a pit bull who didn't last terribly long because I had two other little dogs and she got very, very, there's the word, she adopted me and didn't want my other dogs to get near me. So it, I didn't want her to, to get, I was afraid that something might happen to my dogs. Right. So she was a lovely, lovely dog. Yes, I fostered quite a bit of dogs yeah. too. It's a really good thing to do. It, it is, although that's what got me kicked out of my dad's apartment because I had too many foster puppies. Every time he'd come home, it's just like another one. Because I felt so bad. And yeah. you would go to the adoption and they say, can you just bring one one more home with you? And so I'd bring one oh, and more. And I suppose they weren't house trained. No, and they were very sick, actually. Oh. But that's another story. He, he had some... There were some accidents he may have stepped in. Ah, one too many times. <laughs> yeah, one too many times. But now I have a great apartment, so <laughs> it didn't end with, so terribly. With indoor-outdoor carpeting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do have to get a new carpet every couple of months. <laughs> that still hasn't changed. <laughs> so what inspired all of this support for animal rights? It's how I was brought up. I was brought up surrounded by animals, and uh, my parents gave us a great respect Mm -hmm. uh, we had pets, and you learn how to take care of something. And uh, 
think about something other than yourself when you're a child. Right. Except turtles and things like that. I'm afraid my mom always ended up cleaning out their cages <laughs> or their aquarium, the aquarium. So, but we always had dogs. And uh, then when I was an adult and living in Bedford, we got cats, which we absolutely adored. So, so it doesn't just end at dogs. You're also a cat person. And cat person. We love horses. You know, I'm working with a organization called Panthera, which is trying to save the great cats of the world. Oh, wow. And I was on the board of the, uh, the zoo. And you also have your own organization, right? Bring Change to Mind, mm -hmm. which emphasizes the importance of service dogs for those with mental illnesses. Can you talk a little bit about this and uh, why you think that someone with a mental disorder could find comfort in having a dog by their That's side? not actually the main thrust of Bring Change to Mind. Bring Change to Mind is working against the stigma around mental illness, but because of my knowledge of how, how incredible dogs are to, in the healing process, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for people who have had either traumatic brain injury or PTSD or loss of limbs. I really, and because I know myself of the healing quality of dogs, I'm a great supporter of that. Yeah. So you bring your dog with you everywhere. I just want to end on one note, which is what is it about having a dog that enhances your life and that you believe could enhance others' lives by getting their own dog? Dogs are incredibly comforting. They make you laugh. It's important because you have to take care of them and you learn if you if you know somebody, for example, who has PTSD and has been given a service dog, that one of the main things, one of the main reasons why they're so good for them is that it gives them something else to think about other than their own problems. Yes. And so that can apply to any of us, right? Right. And I have to say that any day when I wake up and the first thing I see is the little face of my dog and he's so sweet and funny you you know it puts you in a great frame of mind and dogs are very very sensitive to mood and incredibly comforting and you don't feel lonely mm -hmm. you know you I have agree. this this great presence with you and uh, they've evolved to where they I think they're incredibly sensitive to humans and and probably uh, sometimes are can feel more about what we're going through than we might be aware of so I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of people, especially in this world of alienation and isolation. You know, I think that what dogs bring into your life is, is uh, incalculable. That's I agree. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. You're I'll let so you get ready. Oh, I love Continue having you here. Ready. Look, he's <laughs> pretending he's asleep. Hi. Yes, he's yeah, so yeah. cute. How old is he? He's two. Pip, can you look up and say hi? He's he tired. Does. Only if I... It's the humidity. No, you know what? He gets very chill here because he knows the drill and he knows that this is where he's going to be for the next three hours, oh, wow. four yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing it's this. It's great to see you. You too. Thank you. You're welcome. That ends today's episode of Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed working on it. I'm off to L.A. tomorrow with my dad for a show at the Saban Theater in Beverly Hills on Saturday night. If you live in the area, please come. I'm sad to be leaving my beloved pooches, Echo and Rue, but excited to see all my friends from Jimmy Kimmel Live and relax a little. I just finished working on the Tony Awards, where I actually saw Glenn Close with her dog, Sir Pippin, trailing behind her at the dress rehearsal. She doesn't lie when she says she brings him everywhere. 
After our interview, Glenn took me on a tour backstage and Sir Pippin knew exactly who to show off a few of his tricks to for a treat. He even howled along with her while she was warming up her singing voice. I don't know who's the bigger star, Glenn Close or Sir Pippin. (laughs) Anyway, that concludes today's episode of Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Victoria Schaefer, about to jet off to the West Coast for a much-needed vacation. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.